Well, amen. And you're glad to be in church tonight. Say amen. amen. Enjoy the music here. It's always some of the best. You, do you know that? I'm in a different church every week, and I'm telling you, the music is always some of the best here. Thank you for letting me come. I've been refreshed. Anybody else been refreshed? I think I speak on behalf of Don. In fact, I know I do. You have refreshed us. Do you realize that? We, uh, you have. Thank you. Uh, you may have needed this refreshing, but I can guarantee you that Don and I have needed this, and we've been thankful for the opportunity. You know, guys and ladies, we're different. Guys, we'll shake hands, see you later, take it easy. Good to see you, that kind of thing. Don has already made best buds with about half the women in here. They've been swapping pictures of grandbabies and recipes and phone numbers and things like that, and so she bonds quickly with the ladies. Uh, I know the reason you love her, the same reason that I do. She's authentic. She's genuine. She's transparent. She's uh, had some difficult roads in her life, but it's almost like God has used those things to shine her up and polish her up for His glory. And So I'm thankful for you, Dawn, and your testimony. And I'm honored to be married to her, honored to be in the ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I'm honored to be connected to this church in some way. I began preaching here off and on way back in the, uh, the mid-90s, around 1997. And I'm thankful to have a connection to you. And I hope that if you uh, think about us, that you'll pray for us. Would you do that? Amen. You have a wonderful pastor. Do you realize that? Yeah, I guarantee you, you do. He and his Don are some of the finest folks we've ever known. And preachers are a dime a dozen, but seldom do you find a pastor that loves you and he's willing to plant himself with you for his ministry and for his life. That's admirable. And uh, you have that, and you should thank the Lord for that, and I'm sure that you have. My joy to be here. Go ahead and take your Bible. Open it up, if you will, to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1, and I'll do something tonight that I never do, really, in my preaching. We're going to look at four different passages, and I promise we'll be out by midnight, but we're going to look at four passages, and each one of them is just going to be a brief stay. But we'll begin at Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, and I'll tell you the title in just a moment, but I want to tell you up front that the theme of the message tonight is complacency. I see it everywhere, and maybe you do as well, but especially in the church. Complacency just kind of creeps in. And before you know it, you're complacent about everything. Before you know it, you're just a little unconcerned. Before you know it, you really just couldn't care less. Before you know it, complacency has gotten control of you. Before you know it, nothing really matters. Before you know it, it's not your job, and I really don't care if it gets done or not. Before you know it, you're complacent about your walk with God. You're complacent about your Bible study, complacent about Bible reading time and prayer time. Complacency, before you know it, will overwhelm you and take control of you. That's the theme. And I'm telling you that complacency creeps into the, to the best and the worst of churches. Guard your church. Guard your heart. Guard your walk with God. Guard your family, your marriage, your home. Guard it all. Look at Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, that's who this is to. It's to brethren, believers. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass or a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one 
in a spirit of meekness or gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Pay attention to this, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. That's where we're going tonight. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There's so much there, but just right out of the gate. If I am doing what Paul says that I need to be doing as a brother in Christ, if I'm bearing someone else's burden, I am acting like Jesus. I am, if you will, fulfilling the law of Christ, the love of Christ, the love of God through His only begotten Son. And so I want you to think with me tonight absolutely about refreshing. I want you to think with me about the word reviving. But what I believe tonight, and I believe it is a word that God would give me just for you tonight, and it is this, that sometimes the reviving comes in the reminding. The refreshing comes in the remembering. And that is sometimes I just need to be reminded of how lost I was and how saved I am. I just need to be reminded of what God saved me out of. I need to be reminded of how blessed I am. I need to be reminded of the power of the blood and how that it takes away my sin. I need to be reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit and how that I need Him to indwell me and to guide me and fill me and lead me and, and, and anoint me, which may not be a Baptist word, but man, it's a Bible word. And we need the anointing and we need the presence and we need the blessing and we need the favor of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I just need to be reminded of that. Sometimes the reviving is in the reminding that I may be reminded of how good God is, of how sovereign He is, of how much I need His grace, of how much I've known His mercy, of how He has guided me and that He's protected me when I didn't even know I was in trouble. Sometimes the reviving and the refreshing just comes in the reminding of all that He is and all that He's done in my life. Amen? Oftentimes in revival meetings that I preach, there are prayer meetings leading up to the revival meeting, and sometimes churches have revival before they have revival. Because in those prayer meetings, they begin to be reminded. They begin to re remember. The Spirit of God begins to deal with them long before the actual meeting that's planned ever takes place. I trust that some of that is happening in your life tonight. I pray that over these past few days that God has been reminding you of some things. I pray that God has been stoking your memory, if you will, to remind you of what He's done in your life. Maybe of a time that you walked with Him closer than you're walking with Him now. Maybe at a time in your life when you burned with zeal for Him. There was a passion to know God and to walk with God. Maybe a time when you shared your faith. Maybe a time when you served the Lord in a greater way. Maybe God has been reviving that. Maybe God has been refreshing that memory of a time in your life when you were closer to Him and, and also reminding you that you can be there again. We think tonight about complacency. A.W. Tozier described this complacency that I'm thinking of tonight as a rut. Anybody ever been in a rut? Anybody in one tonight? Please don't raise your hand. But if you're in a rut, you may be able to relate to what Tozier said. He said a rut is nothing more than a grave with both ends knocked out of it. 
And he said, if we're not careful, this thing becomes a circular rut. And we find ourselves going around and around and around. And the idea that I get there is that we're singing songs and we're preaching sermons and we're praying prayers and we're reading the scriptures and we're doing so many good things, but we find ourselves in a spiritual rut where there is no life. I believe you can get into the habit of reading God's Word and it really has no effect on your life. It's just the habit of reading the Bible. I believe you can get into the habit of praying and you're praying really good words, but you're really not communicating with God. It's just the the habit of prayer. And if I'm not careful in my own ministry, I can get into the rut of preaching sermons, but yet preaching without the power of God on my life. I don't want that. I don't want that rut that A.W. Tozier described. I don't want to be in a grave with both ends knocked out of it. I don't want to become a stagnant believer. Stagnant water is water that is not moving, but it's also water where nothing fresh is being poured into that. And friend, I want to tell you tonight that complacency is a result of stagnant living. That is, there's no fresh word coming into your life. There's no freshness being in the very presence of God. There's no freshness in your prayer life. You've become complacent. You've become stagnant. You're in a grave with both ends knocked out of it. And I get into this comfort zone where I like what I like, and bless God, I'm not going to change. Are you all with me on that? I don't like them songs, and I ain't going to sing them. Oh, my Lord, did I step on something when I said that? I'm sorry. I I didn't practice that, I guarantee you. I didn't really know that was going to come out, just to be honest with you. It's true. I don't like it, so I'm not going to do it. I don't like what the church is doing. I'm not going to participate. I don't like the sermon series. I'm not going to go. I like what I like, and I'm going to do what I like, and I'm not going to change. Bless God, I'm not changing at this stage of my life. Y'all with me on that? And so I get into this comfort zone. And if it doesn't please me and make me happy and make me comfortable, then I just resign into an attitude of complacency. I resign into a lifestyle of being stagnant where nothing fresh is being poured into me. This is a verse that is aimed at believers. It is a theme tonight about complacency. But the title of the message tonight is, There is a bear in the room. And we play off the idea of an elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is the thing that nobody wants to talk about. The elephant in the room is that thing that nobody wants to point out. It's there. I guess we need to talk about the elephant in the room. But in the church today, there is not so much an elephant in the room as there is a bear in the room. I'm going to talk to you tonight about four bears that are in the church today, and we need to expose the bears for what they are. We're going to talk about bearing one another's burdens. We're going to talk about bearing one another in love. We're going to talk about taking up and bearing the cross of Jesus. We're going to talk about the one who bears our sin. There's a bear in the room today. 
And much like the elephant in the room, we've ignored him. We've gone on with our songs. We've gone on with our preaching. We've built buildings. We've done this and we've done that all in the name of Jesus. But the sad reality is many of us that are consumed with our own complacency, we have gotten so used to doing what we do without the power of God that we could very well do Christianity without Christ. Dear Lord, help me. Dear God, revive me. And just quite honestly and with a little transparency here, I cannot tell you the times I prayed in some motel room or wherever I was staying before I'm going to that church that night to preach a revival service. Dear God, I don't want to do this in my power. Dear God, I want you to do something that is bigger than us. Do something that is outside of us. God, surprise us with your glory. God, surprise us tonight with your presence. God, pour out your Holy Spirit. God, I'm tired of the routine. God, I'm tired of going through the motions. God, I don't want to preach in a rut tonight. God, refresh us. God, revive us. God, stir us anew. I don't want to do Christianity without Christ. But Brother Tim, I could. Most of us could. Most of us preachers that went off and got educated, we could do it. We could do a Christianity without Christ because we have an understanding of the Scriptures. We could do a Christianity without Christ because we basically knows how, we know how the church runs. We know the right things to say. Things like, God bless you, hallelujah, praise the Lord, good to see you. Y'all with me on that? I mean, we tell people good to see you when it's not good to see them. Are y'all with me on that? I guarantee you, you've told somebody before that's a pretty baby and it was the ugliest baby you've ever seen in your life. I mean, we know what to say. God bless you, love you, praying for you, good to see you, how's your mama? That kind of stuff. We know how to do Christianity. We know how to do church without Christ. I'm not the first one that thought of that. William Booth, his ministry has been in the news this past week, but well over a hundred years ago, he made some predictions about struggles that the church would have in the next 100 years. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. By the way, a great, thank God, a great movement and a great ministry to the glory of God. He died in 1912. And long before he died, this is what he said. These will be some of the challenges that the church will face in the next century. He said, we're going to deal with religion without the Holy Ghost. Wow, what an idea. If reviving and refreshing is in the reminding, maybe I need to be reminded how that I need the Holy Ghost. Maybe I need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit's power. Maybe I need to be reminded of the Holy Spirit's conviction. Maybe I need to be reminded of all that the Lord said about the Holy Spirit and now that He's going away but that He, he would not leave us alone. Maybe I need to be reminded of what happened at Pentecost. Maybe I need to be reminded of my need for the Holy Ghost or else Booth could be right. I may be a part of a religion without the Holy Ghost. Secondly, he said in these hundred years that are coming, and by the way, the hundred years have passed. Was he right? 
He said, there's going to be a Christianity without Christ. Maybe I need to be reminded of my need for Jesus. Maybe I need to be reminded of the need to focus on Him and yield to Him. Maybe I need to be reminded of the need to give Him praise for what He did on the cross. Maybe I need to be reminded of what He did when He died and that His blood is the thing that takes away my sin. If the refreshing and the reviving is in the reminding I need to be reminded of my need for the Holy Ghost and I need to be reminded of my need for Christ. And then Booth said in these next hundred years that we would have forgiveness without repentance. Maybe I need to be reminded if refreshing is going to come, maybe I need to be reminded of my need for repentance, of my need to bow in the presence of God and tell God about my sin. Maybe I need to be reminded of godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Maybe I need to be reminded of a a spirit of brokenness that causes me to call on His name, recognizing my sin and realizing that He's the only one who can take it away. Confessing and repenting. Repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of life. William Booth wasn't finished. He said, we're going to have religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, and salvation without regeneration. Maybe I need to be reminded. If the reviving is in the reminding, maybe I need to be reminded of the regenerating that God did in my life when I was a 19-year-old kid. That's when I was saved. I need to be reminded of the, of the clear evidence back then, 37 years ago, that suddenly I was saved, that there was something new inside of me, that I had been born again, that my attitude had changed, my language was changing, everything about me was changing. It was not on the outside. Man, I had been regenerated on the inside. Booth says in this past 100 years, we're going to move away from any evidence of regeneration. Man, was he ever right. This next one, I'm not going to preach it. Boy, he hit the nail on the head. He said in the next hundred years, this was back before 1912, he said, we're going to have politics without God. Was he right? Good gracious, that's another sermon for another day. We are there. Maybe I need to be reminded of my need for God in all things. Booth said, finally, we're going to have in this next 100 years, we're going to be faced with the challenge of heaven without hell. Wow. Maybe I need to be reminded that there is a hell. And I need to be reminded that the reason I believe in hell is because Jesus did. Maybe I need to be reminded that there is a place of eternal punishment. Maybe I need to be reminded of outer darkness and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Maybe I need to be reminded that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Maybe I need to be reminded of a great white throne judgment. Maybe I need to be reminded of a second death. Maybe I just need to remember, not necessarily for my sake, because I'm not going, I'm saved. But maybe... Part of the refreshing and the reviving is I am soul conscious. I realize that everybody has a soul and that everybody will spend eternity somewhere. If I'm not careful, my complacency, my spiritual stagnation 
will cause me to join up with a me generation that becomes a we movement that has an I problem. My friend Junior that I've mentioned often, he's in his early 80s, he calls me a bubble preacher. He says, you're on the bubble, Brother Mike. He said, you're in your 50s. You've got those in their 30s. You've got guys like me in their late 70s. He said, you're on the bubble. Well, I can tell you that our bubble today, my bubble's not doing all that well. We are too self-focused. That's my bubble. That's my group. I'm not going to talk to yours, but I'm telling you we are too self-focused. We are too self-interested. We are too selfish, and that causes our complacency to grow even more. I have an I problem. I want it like I want it. Anybody else battle with that? Really? Three people. Anybody else? Anybody ever lied in church on Wednesday night? Because several of you did right then. I want it my way. I like it like I like it. Go back to the music. I like that. I like that preaching. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. I'm a part, I'm afraid today, of a me generation, a we movement that has an I problem. What we desperately need today is someone who will stand up Someone who will step up and someone who will speak up. Who's it going to be? It may be somebody in their 70s and 80s. It may be somebody like me in their 40s, their 50s, or their 60s. It may be somebody in their late teens or early 20s. But who is it that's going to stand up? Who's going to recognize the problem that we are coasting We're no longer climbing. It reminds me of the mountain climber that died on his journey up to the top of Mount Everest. The doctors had said, you shouldn't do it. I'm afraid you're not going to make it. And he didn't. And he died while climbing Mount Everest. And the friends that were with him buried his body under a mound of rocks. And the sign at the head of his body simply said this, he died while climbing. Dear God, I want to die while climbing. Dear God, help us as a Liberty Baptist Church to die while climbing, to die going up, pursuing Him, and going after that which would honor and please the Lord. Man, we're coasting. And somebody's got to stand up and say it. We're coasting. We've compromised. We've become complacent. Somebody's got to step up. Not only do we need a plan, we need somebody with some passion. Are y'all with me on that? Somebody with some zeal. Somebody with some drive. Somebody with a little enthusiasm. Anybody got any of that? (laughs) Some of y'all, I don't know. I don't think it's me. (laughs) Man, we need some zeal. And I'm not talking about turning backflips for Jesus. Put up your pom-poms. I'm saying, hey, let's just be real for him. Let's let God live through us. Let's let Him empower us. Let's get our zeal from the Lord. Let's get our passion from time spent with God. Somebody's got to stand up. 
Somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to speak up. We need Jesus, but in this day, somebody needs to be a Joshua. We have a Jesus. Thank God for a Savior. But we need a Joshua that will lead the way. Thank God for Joshua's in my life. Thank God for men who've taken me by the hand and they've led me along the way. Thank God for Joshua's who have been an example to me. Thank God for Joshua's who were willing to take the promised land against all odds. Let's talk about the bear necessities. We are to bear one another's burdens. There's a bear in the room and the first bear quickly, I promise you quickly, the first bear has a name. We'll call him indifference. Let's call him out. There's a bear in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to admit that we've become indifferent. We are bound by neglect and unconcern. This is about people we don't even know. What are we going to do about all of those people in our communities that nobody wants in their church? What are we going to do with all those people who have a soul and they're going to spend eternity in hell, but my Lord, they've got drug issues, they've got alcohol problems, they've got a past, they've got tattoos all over their body, they smoke this, they drink that, they have a soul. Does anybody care? Does anybody care? What are we going to do with all of these messed up, as Dawn said last night, what are we going to do with all these jacked up people? Y'all with me on that? You said that last night, Dawn. What are we going to do with all these folks that are jacked up? What I need to be reminded of is there was a time in my life when I was jacked up. And it's only by the grace of God I'm not a little jacked tonight. Are y'all with me on that? It's only by His grace we are to bear the burdens of others. Realizing that it's only by His grace that we're not in their shoes. It's about sharing the load, bearing the burdens caring for and praying for people that we really don't even understand their past. We don't know where they're at exactly or how they got there, but we love them anyway. You're never going to fully appreciate the story of the Good Samaritan until you've been in the ditch or one of your children have. And if you know anybody in a ditch tonight, by the grace of God, go to where they are. You may very well be the Good Samaritan they've been praying for but we're often more cold than concerned. Church becomes more like running a business than bearing burdens. And while business matters are necessary, people are hurting. In this room tonight, this is not just about bearing the burdens of people out there we don't know. This is about bearing burdens within the family. I have no idea what you're dealing with tonight, but I would I'd almost guarantee you there are many in this room that are carrying burdens. Your heart is heavy. Many of you this very day have wept about something. It's a family issue. It's a financial issue. It's a health issue, but you've got a burden. You're worried about something. Some of you are worried sick about it. Some of you laid awake last night worrying about it. I know I'm telling you the truth. You know I'm telling you the truth. What are we going to do with these burdens? In the church house, it's dangerous. 
to be transparent, you might get judged. You with me? I don't feel like that's happening here. My goodness, when you've got stories on your Facebook, I mean on your website, that speaks volumes. We need to be able to share our burdens so that we can bear burdens. Bearing one another's burdens, what are they? Sin, sickness, loss, heartache, worry, fear, struggle, parents, prodigals, who's not bearing some kind of a burden tonight. But what would Jesus do? What would He do? I believe that He would show compassion. I believe that He would extend mercy again and again and again. I believe He would extend grace again and again and again, something like 70 times 7, which means never stop extending it. Never stop loving, never stop forgiving. And that is be an example of what Jesus would do. How would Jesus treat that guy? How would Jesus treat that woman? New hope and new love. I've experienced this in my own life in the past year. A dear friend, a pastor friend of mine, just really made bad, bad, bad choices. Lost his marriage, lost his ministry, just the whole, the whole package that you read of too often. And I've had to pray about that. And I've even talked to Don. We've talked, what am I going to do with that guy? What am I going to do with him? I've been like a mentor. We've been like father and son. He's about 20 years younger than I. What am I going to do with that guy? And the only thing I've decided that I can do biblically is forgive him and love him. And doggone it, I don't want to. Is anybody with me on that? Man, I want to be mad. Is anybody with me out there? Y'all acting spiritual like you've never been mad. In Jesus' name. Y'all with me out there? <laughs> I want to be mad. I want to be ticked off. I don't want to respond to his text. I want to be a little upset. And doggone it, I can't do it and be peace at peace with the Lord. I, I'm forgiving him. I'm loving him. I'm sleeping better. Bearing one another's burdens. Here's another bear. Ephesians 4, verse number 2. Bear one another's burdens. And then in Ephesians 4, 2, there's another bear. Look at what it says. With all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Not only am I to bear others' burdens, but I am to bear with one another in love. What is the name of this bear? The bear here is isolation. The first bear is the bear of indifference. I don't care. I honestly couldn't care less. But now it is the bear of isolation. Somebody's got to talk about the not the elephant. Somebody's got to talk about the bear in the room. We have isolated ourselves from people we don't like from people we don't understand, and sometimes from people that we really don't want in our church. Well, I mean, good Lord, what if they join our church? What are we going to do with them? I don't know. What would they do with you? Are y'all with me on that? My goodness, what did they do with you when you joined the church? 
We shut our doors and often we shut out the world and we shut out the needy. We don't need to go to Guatemala, Salvador or to another third world country. They're living right outside our doors. You don't even have to pack a lunch to go on a mission trip. These are people that we may not even know. Maybe we need to bear with them in love. You know, if he'd have just left out the word love. Y'all with me on that? Bearing with one another out of responsibility. I like that better. Anybody else? Bearing with one another out of duty. Bearing with one another out of obligation. Doesn't say that. Maybe he says out of love because we have done it out of anger. We have done it out of resentment. We have done it out of pity, but we didn't do it in love. How do you want somebody to treat your prodigal? Well, then that person that you're loving that nobody else really cares about, that's somebody's prodigal. That's somebody's son or, son or daughter who grew up and they've had a disappointing life. Does anybody care? How do I do this? You say, I'm not going to put up with that. And we do. We put up with it with our own sons and daughters. And God calls us and commissions us to be known by our love. It doesn't mean that we just overlook their sin, but it means that we love them in spite of that. I'm telling you, if I want a revival in my life, if I want a refreshing in my life, it's going to come much of it in the way that I treat other people, regardless of their past. Lifting one another. It means encouraging, exhorting, patting someone on the back. We ought to take a chance on mean-spirited, unkind people. You know anybody like that? Please, don't look around. Do you know anybody like that? There's a reason why people are mean-spirited. There's a reason why people are so doggone unkind. Take a chance on somebody that's bitter. They might have a soft soul. Take a chance. Maybe they've been through a storm. Maybe they battled a sin or a sickness we know nothing about. But it's also not just about lifting them up through encouragement. It is about loving unlovable people. It's about an attitude that leads to actions. It's about how I treat people that I don't even know. It's how I tip my waitress or waiter. It's how I treat the person that's Helping me check out at wherever I'm at, Publix, Walmart, whatever it might be. It's about how I treat people in the Walmart parking lot. Are y'all with me on that? I'm just thinking today, here in about a week, somebody's going to get shot at Walmart over a turkey, a TV, or a trampoline. Y'all with me on that? <laughs> it's going to happen. Somebody's going down. We're going to want to punch somebody over a half-priced turkey. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. At midnight. Black Friday leads to black eyes. Are y'all with me on that? Listen, there's a lot of truth in that. How am I going to treat people that I don't even know? How am I going to treat people that are in a rush in the airport? How am I going to treat people that are unkind, mean-spirited, in a rush, have no joy, don't know the Lord? 
There's another bear in the room, and it's found in Luke 14, 27. I know, the sermon's going long. I don't know who that was, but I agree. I'm pretty sure that kid said, will this sermon ever end? I know! I was thinking the same thing, my Lord. There's a bear in the room. There's the bear of indifference. There's the bear of isolation. And then, I hate to tell you tonight, because we're wanting to be refreshed, but there is the bear of entitlement. Look at Luke 14, 27. Now we preach this and teach this, but practice it? Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, well, read the rest of it, you cannot be my disciple. Somebody needs to expose the bear in the room by the name of entitlement. Some of us think we deserve God's blessings. Some of us think we deserve God's favor. Some of us think that we deserve heaven. Some of us think we deserve the best parking places and the best seats in the church. We've been faithful to God and we've been loyal to God and we've loved Him and served Him and, and we have a spirit about us of entitlement and I'm telling you that's going to run the world away because the world is full of that. We ought to be different. Besides, the cross is heavy. It's old, it's uncomfortable, and it's outdated. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We want salvation, but we really don't want to be saved. And it appears that repentance and confession and surrender have gone the way of the Model T. Others died so that we could have the Word of God. But we struggle to die to self for even five minutes a day to read it. I'm not entitled to any of this. It is absolutely a blessing and a gift from God. It is absolutely His favor. What am I going to do with this cross? Who is my example? What about Simon of Cyrene? I am to carry the cross. And when Simon carried the cross, not only did he carry the cross, he also carried it and bore some of the shame. That's why we don't want to carry this cross. He carried the cross and shared in the suffering. Paul writes about you and I knowing Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. That's not a fellowship that many people want to join. We like fellowship with Chick-fil-A. Are y'all with me on that? Good Lord, the fellowship of the suffering. you got to be kidding me. That's what we are called to be a part of. And much of that involves bearing and carrying the cross and sharing in the shame, coming after Him. Not only did Simon carry the cross, but he came after Him. He followed Jesus and He is our example. We don't apologize for the cross. We preach it because it is our hope and we bear it proudly. We're not entitled to the benefits. We just thank God for the free gift of His grace. There's one final bear. It's in 1 Peter 2, 24. I've talked about bearing one another's burdens. 
I've talked about bearing one another in love. I've talked about bearing the cross and following Jesus. And now in 1 Peter 2.24, we are just simply reminded of the one who bears, the one who bore our sin. 1 Peter 2.24. Just for context, look at verse 23. Who... When he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself uh, to him who judges righteously, who himself bore, bears our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. Thank God for the Lord who bore and bears my sins. God, may I never become complacent about that. God, may I never become complacent about bearing with one another and bearing with one another in love. God, may I never become complacent about bearing my cross and God more than anything. May I never become spiritually stagnant about what you did on the cross when you bore it and you bore my sins as you were hanging there. He bore my sin. He bore my shame. He bore my guilt. He bore my penalty. My unbelief keeps me from believing Him like I should. Maybe William Booth was right. If the refreshing comes in the reminding, and I think it does, I need to be reminded of my guilt. Jesus didn't come for the saint. He came for the sinner. And I am a sinner. And he saved me. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for the well. He came for those who were sick. There is none righteous. My unbelief in Christ encourages belief in myself. I'm Guilty. I have a sin problem. I have a pride problem. I have an ego problem. I battle with entitlement. I battle with isolating myself. I battle with indifference. And I battle with this bear in 1 Peter 2. It's the bear of unbelief. If we could just believe God. Not just believing, but really believing. If the remembering is a part of the reviving and the refreshing, I need to be reminded of His grace. Grace doesn't help me get saved. It does the saving. Grace doesn't help me clean up and straighten out. It does the cleaning and the straightening. It makes me a new creature in Christ because I can't save myself. Grace. The theme tonight has been complacency. The title, there's a bear in the room. I've been a little transparent with you as I've preached tonight that I, I struggle with all of these bears. I imagine many of you do. I do struggle with unbelief. Really, really, really believing. 
I struggle with, I guess maybe it's partly because I'm an American and I live in a rich country. I struggle with this idea of entitlement. I deserve it. I struggle with isolating myself from people that I don't understand. And I struggle with indifference. May God awaken these sleeping bears in me. My prayer for you, and quite honestly, I got to tell you, me and the Lord had a little talk. I don't know what Brother Tim does, but sometimes I get in the kitchen and I imagine a congregation and, and I preach in the kitchen. You may not do that. Grayson walked in today while I was preaching a little bit and he walked by and he said, oh, Mom, Mike's yelling again. So I was in the kitchen going at it. And I said, Lord, Liberty Baptist, I'm just telling y'all, I said, Liberty Baptist does not need a sermon on complacency. They do it well. I'm telling you. Huh? Yeah, I said, they don't need this message about the bears in the room. What did I say? Did it come out sideways? I don't want to mess that up. And I felt the Lord leading me in this direction tonight. I hope you understand what I tried to say and maybe it came out backwards. Maybe I felt like the Lord, and I even wanted to ask him, are you sure that this is what I need to preach tonight? But I am sure that I preached what he wanted me to preach. The problem with waking up a sleeping bear is you could have revival or you could have revolt. May God awaken us. Let's pray together. Would you bow with me? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in prayer, if any of this tonight has touched your heart or convicted you, as if God has dealt with you about any area of complacency in your life, in your church, in your family, in your home, I'm going to ask you to just step quietly out and come find a place to, to kneel or to stand at this altar and do business with God. And if you need to pray with your pastor, to take him by the hand, that God might revive us tonight. As the music plays softly, before we even sing, would some of you just slip out and come and find a place to pray? Lead the way as God is dealing with your heart. Where is it that you've grown complacent? Where is it that you've lost your joy? Where is it that you've become stagnant? If the reviving and the refreshing is in the reminding, may God remind you tonight 
of how lost you were and how saved you are. May God remind you and reopen your eyes to all the blessings that surround you. Liberty Baptist Church, may God remind you of where He's brought you from and all that He's blessed you with. My, what a good church. Thank God for it. Father, speak to us now. God, thank you for these that are kneeling and praying. May it be an encouragement to others to come and join them. Revive us. Refresh us. Remind us. We pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand quietly and let's sing together in the Spirit of the Lord. Would you come and find a place to pray as God speaks?